So glad you joined us, and of course, those of you that are with us in person, real glad that you're here for our Vision Focus Sunday. So uh, let, me, let me pray, and uh, we're going to get underway. Father, I thank you for your amazing love and grace. We thank you that you're a God of vision. We thank you that you have a divine purpose and a plan that we can align our lives to. We thank you for the security that that brings. And today, Lord, we... We pray that 
you, Holy Spirit, would enlighten our hearts, our spirits, our minds, our soul. And Lord, that we would receive. Give us receptive hearts, we pray. Whatever you want to say to us, Holy Spirit, may you reveal it through the power of your Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you to our worship team. Great to uh, have you leading us in worship. Um, again, I love being able to worship God in person. It's a whole lot better listening to you than listening to myself in my living room. In fact, I've been banned from singing publicly in my house, so I resort to uh, singing in private. But uh, yeah, not my gift. Uh, I wish I could sing, but in heaven I will. All right, well, today, of course, is a day when uh, is the conclusion of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I was expecting to hear a big cheer there, but uh, of course, fasting is an appetite-denying discipline that helps us to focus and draw closer to God. So uh, it's the end of 21 days, and I, I, I'm real glad that we were able to do it as a church. We had devotionals that went all the way through, and of course, at the end of this service, we're going to have a moment, an anointing service with a difference. I'll share about that later as the worship team come up. We're going to give you a little cup with a drop of oil. You're going to be able to anoint yourself, um, uh, and I'm going to pray for you for an anointing for you. You may say, and, and I'm praying that we're going to pray for favor for your life and blessing for your life um, and for this year. And, you know, I always say this, you may have said, well, yeah, I got anointed last year, and look how last year turned out. But imagine what it would have been like if you hadn't been anointed. Could have been even worse. So, it's a powerful moment. And I, I want to share a little bit with you about um, our vision focus for the year. Um, and I'm going to be painting in broad brushstrokes this morning. Some of the finer detail we're going to unpack uh, in the coming uh, in the coming uh, weeks, and of course, every year, uh, we have a vision, and our vision hasn't changed. I don't think as a church, our vision should change every year. Our vision is the same. We have a vision, we have a mission, and we, we, we have a, a, a um, statement, in a sense, of our, our position as a church, who we want to be as a church. But every year, we have a focus we have a vision focus that is kind of the focus for our theme. Vision, in a sense, gives us a view of the landscape of God's plan and God's Word, but focus means that we're focusing on something in particular. And when you focus on something in particular, it brings uh, significant results or more significant results in that area. Does that make sense? So, I want to share a, a little, and again, if I don't uh, complete this message, we can continue in the coming weeks. But Habakkuk, uh, one of the great Old Testament prophets, writes these words in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. God told Habakkuk to write the vision, to make it clear so that they that read it may run with it. And our objective over the last few years uh, as a church has always been to have a 
particular focus as a church uh, for that year. And so we have a vision focus. So in a sense, this Sunday, we're calling it Vision Sunday, but it could be Vision Focus Sunday. Um, and maybe you say, well, last year, we had a vision for last year, but it just kind of nothing worked out the way we expected it to. But I love that verse in Habakkuk, or that chapter, because later in that chapter, uh, God goes on to say for Habakkuk 2.3, for the vision is yet for an appointed future time, it hurries toward the goal of fulfillment, it will not fail. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it, because it will certainly come, it will not delay. That passage, of course, is talking about God's plan for humanity and His vision for humanity. But every one of us has, uh, should have a vision for our lives. And if we have a vision for our lives, how many of you know that sometimes our timeline or the actual timeline doesn't line up with our intended timeline? Though the vision tarries, wait for it. Be persistent. Stay on track. Stay focused. And so our vision as a church right from the beginning uh, has been to be a hub of hope and faith for our community and beyond. That's our vision, to be a hub of hope and faith to our community and beyond. Our, our, our mission has been to connect people to Christ, to connect people to their God-given purpose and destiny, and to connect people to life-giving relationships. Yeah, sometimes some relationships are not that life-giving. But we want to be connecting you to life-giving relationships and community, which means that although church to a large degree right across the world has gone to online, online is great for, in a sense, connecting and getting into the Word, but there's nothing like community. And the church is a community, and so we want to be connected to life-giving relationships. That's our mission our vision, our mission, and then our position is, why are we here? Why do we exist? We're here for you. That's our mission, that's our vision, and that's our position. And we, every year we've had this, we've had this, this vision focus. Um, if some of you will remember, five years ago we, we started a five-year uh, mission, uh, a five-year focus called Vision 2020. And the first year was, our vision was one. Jesus was all about the one, the individual in the crowd, the one that got lost. Jesus came and prayed that we would be, thank you for the underwhelming response, that we would be divided, that we would be in disunity, that we, no, he came that we might be awesome. You just went straight to the top of the class. Second year, year two, was we are the church. That was our focus. We are the church. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered, there am I in the midst. We are a part of his body. We are his family. We are a community of faith. Year three, our focus was being more like Jesus, to be more Christ-like, especially in our motor vehicles. Have you noticed that that's where people find it most difficult to be Christ-like? in their motor vehicles. We think we're immune. You know, we're in that kind of enclosed space where, uh, anyway, year, th year three, to be more Christ-like. Year four, greater things. 
greater things. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, even greater things will you do than I did because I go to be with the Father. We want to be believing for greater things. How do we have greater things? The path to greatness is greater. We want to be greater. We want to be growing. We want to be becoming, growing in our faith and growing in our calling. And then year five last year was your kingdom come. And our focus was about Jesus' kingdom coming. Wherever Jesus, king, wherever Jesus was, who was the king, his kingdom was established. He demonstrated his dominion over every area of life. He demonstrated his dominion over disease, over nature. He calmed the sea. Over Satan and his kingdom, he cast out those who were demonized. Over sin, he forgave those that were paralyzed. Over death, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus demonstrated his dominion in every single sphere of life. And our prayer was that Jesus' kingdom would come. And if I can tell you, after we declared that, right at the beginning, two months later, everything shut down. Did that mean that God stopped working? No. Did that mean that his kingdom wasn't coming? No. But we understood, I believe, if there was ever a year, 2020 was a year when we needed to understand that Jesus is Jesus, God was sovereign. God is on the throne. That whatever's happening, he is sovereign. His kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So this year... I want to read a passage of Scripture for you, and I want to share what our mission focus or our vision focus is for this year. Exodus 33, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, this is Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. He's, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. And you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses did not want to go anywhere without the presence of God. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go from here. Moses said, if your presence is not with us, how will anyone know that we are different from anyone else on the planet? And he distinguished that God's presence was fundamental to him fulfilling the thing that God had called him to do. Moses did not want to go without God's presence. And this year, our theme or our focus for this year or our word for this year is presence. I want to say that again, presence. And I'm going to lay the overarching thought here. Number one, God's presence makes all the difference. 
God's presence makes all the difference in our own lives. God makes all the, God's presence makes all the difference in our homes. God's presence makes all the difference in our workplace. God's presence makes all the difference in our community and in our world. So number one, God's presence makes all the difference. Now number two, our presence makes all the difference. Our presence makes all the difference in our family, in our workplace, in our, in our church, in our community. Our presence makes all the difference. And that's our focus for this year. God's presence. An increased sense of God's presence in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world, and an increase of our presence in our family, our church, and our community. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, God's present everywhere. He is omnipresent. So what on earth are you talking about? How, how, is, how are we going to see any increase in God's presence when God's presence is everywhere? This is what David said, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? He, David's talking about even if I tried to get away from God's presence, I wouldn't be able to get away from God's presence. He's with me wherever I go. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will, not, will, will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So David's saying, I know you're omnipresent. I know you are everywhere present. I can't even get away from you, even if I tried. Wherever I go, you're there. Jesus' name, the angel said, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So how on earth can we, how on earth can we increase God's presence? How can we increase a sense of God's presence? How can we attract God's presence into our, in our lives and on our lives and, and in our church and in our homes? How can we do that? Well, first of all, we need to understand a couple of things that I want to share with you. Are, you, are, are, you, are we tracking together? First of all, we need to understand there's a big difference between God's omnipresence and God's manifest presence. I want to say that again. There's a big difference between God's omnipresence and His manifest presence. His, we just read what David said about His omnipresence. He's everywhere present. But then when we read the Word of God, we find that God manifests His presence in significant ways at times throughout Scripture and throughout the story of the Bible. There is a difference. I guarantee that every single person that's listening here or that is here with us in person has at one time or another experienced the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is the revealed presence presence of God. It's the, it's the sense of God's presence. It's the sense of His presence and His power. Maybe during the worship today, 
You felt something stirring on the inside of you as we were worshiping God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the sense of God's presence. That's the sense that He's with us. When we, when we read the Old Testament, remember Moses up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and it says that Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire, and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. That was a manifest presence of God. In the wilderness wanderings, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were accompanied by the presence of God, which was seen literally in a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. When Solomon's temple was dedicated, when Solomon built his first temple and it was dedicated, fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifices and a cloud of God's glory filled the temple so much so that the priests were unable to minister because of the glory of God. That's the manifest presence of God. Now you say, how does that apply to us? I haven't been, the only smoke I've ever seen in this building is the smoke that comes from the smoke machines. The glory of God and the presence of God is something that is very real for us in New Testament times. And I love this passage of Scripture in John, Luke 15 where it talks about Jesus. Jesus could heal anybody at any time. Jesus, we've already talked about, He demonstrated His dominion over every sphere of life. Jesus, it says here, when great multitudes came together to hear, Luke 5, 15 to 17, Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Does that mean Jesus couldn't heal them at any other time? No. He could heal anyone at any time. But there was a, a greater anointing. There was a greater sense of presence. There was something that happened There was that where God's presence healed those people in a particular way. This verse is sandwiched. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's sandwiched between two stories of Jesus healing people. So what was it that was significant? What was significant was there was a greater manifestation of the Spirit to heal. A greater manifestation of the Spirit to heal. Luke 5, 17, that verse in the Passion Translation reads like this. And the power of the Lord surged through Jesus to instantly heal. I love that. There was a surge of God's power through Jesus. Anyone had a power surge uh, with a, you know, if you've got an electronic device, it'll blow it up. But Jesus had a surge of power that flowed through him. 
And I've been at times in my own life and in my own experience when God has been moving in particular ways and in unique ways. And there's been such a powerful sense of God's presence that people are being healed in the presence of God, that people are being awakened in the presence of God to His purpose for their lives. And we're praying, when we say we're praying for an increase in God's presence, we're praying for a surge of God's presence and power this year. Anyone want to experience that? A fresh surge of God's presence, a fresh surge of God's power to heal, to restore, to enlighten us, to save, to rescue, to turn impossible situations around, to cause faith to rise in us, to awaken those that are away from God. Let's believe God for that this year as we, we have a special focus and a theme that runs through all that we do this year where we're believing for God's presence. God, if your presence doesn't go with me tomorrow morning when I go to work, I won't go. I'm not going to get out of bed. If your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. We're focusing on your presence. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I know that's an old-fashioned term these days. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself where he's not invited. He won't go where he's not welcomed. But when he's well invited and when he's welcomed, he comes. And when he comes, he changes everything. God's presence changes everything. Can we this year wake up and before our foot touches the floor in the morning, while we're half asleep, we say in our minds, Lord, I'm not getting out of bed unless your presence goes with me. I need your presence today. I need your presence in my workplace. I need your presence in every aspect of this day. The second thing that we need to understand, and I'm going to dig deeper into this. I'm going to do this message, by the way, in two parts. Part two is going to be next week. This is part one. Are, are, are you okay? We're, 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 we're traveling with this. The second thing we need to understand is that God's manifest presence comes and His manifest presence goes. Remember, Moses had an experience with the burning bush. And there was a manifestation of God's presence in that bush that burned, but the bush was not consumed. And God spoke to him from the burning bush and spoke to him about how he was going to go back to Egypt and God was going to use him for the deliverance of his people. That was a manifestation of the presence of God. I talked about the manifestation of Solomon's temple. When Solomon dedicated the temple and fire came from heaven and the priest couldn't enter because the glory of God filled it, that was a manifestation of God's presence. Whenever God's people turn towards God, whenever God's people lean in towards God, whenever God's people invite the Holy Spirit to come, God always responds. And there will be a manifestation of His Spirit, a revealing, a, a surge of His power and His presence in our lives. But you know, the Bible also talks about how God's presence left. And in the book of Ezekiel, and time does not allow us to go into this in great detail, the book of Ezekiel is 
uh, uh, the story of the prophet Ezekiel speaking to the nation of Israel at a time when they had turned away from God. And because they were, had turned away from God and they had forgotten their, about their relationship with God, they were, uh, God removed them to another land. They were invaded by the northern kingdom Israel, by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom by the Babylonians. They were taken into exile for 70 years, the southern kingdom. They were removed in order that their hearts could then turn to God. How many of you know that sometimes when everything's going well, it's easy to forget. When things are going hard, we cry out to God. I heard before there are no atheists in foxholes. We're all crying out to God in our time of difficulty, but God wants us to lean in towards Him when things are going well. And here we read that the glory of God, literally, Ezekiel has a vision of the glory of God lifting off from the temple, from the holy place, the holy of holies, going to the threshold of the temple, pausing over the threshold of the temple, going out through the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem, going out over the Mount of Olives, over the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives, which is to the east of Jerusalem, pausing over the Mount of Olives, where Jesus ascended into heaven and where the Word of God tells us He will return. This is all poignant and filled with significance, and then departs. And the interesting thing is God, He was seeing that the manifest glory and presence of God was leaving because the people had turned away from Him. And it's interesting, the word paused. Why was the Holy Spirit pausing? Because He is reluctant to leave. Anyone ever had people over and they never leave? They're reluctant to leave. <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit's like that. He's reluctant to leave. He paused. And then he paused again before he left. But the good news is the glory of the Lord returned. And in Ezekiel 43, we read in there that, and I want to read this passage of Scripture because it says in Ezekiel 43, then the man, this is the man in the vision, the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. He left by the east. He came back by the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the visions I had seen by the Kebar River and I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So in the same way the glory, manifest presence of God left, the manifest presence of God came back. And here's the thing, as the presence of God left, he paused. He left reluctantly. But when he comes back, look how he comes back. He comes back like the roar of rushing waters. In other words, the Holy Spirit's reluctant to leave. But when he comes back into our life, just like he did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he comes like a rushing mighty wind with the sound of the roar of the rushing of waters. 
And the way that we do that is we simply invite the Holy Spirit to come. We invite God's presence every day. We welcome God's presence into our lives and into our world. And our time is drawing to a close, and I haven't even got to the part where I want to talk next week about how we can make the difference in our world. Our presence makes a difference. Our presence makes all the difference. And if we want to make a difference in our world, the, mo the, most, the, the, the most significant way we can do that is to do what we've just been talking about, is to value the presence of God. God's presence will go where He's valued. To invite the presence of God. God's presence will come where He's invited. To welcome the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. God's presence will come where He's invited. And the way that we do that is through our worship. It's through our word. It's from our heart. And I want to encourage you as we close, and of course, there are many things that we can talk about, and we will be unpacking about what we're going to be doing in the community. But our doing has, come, has got to come out of that experience of God's presence, that experience of God in our lives, working in every area of our lives. And when we do, we'll be able to be the difference in our home. Your presence makes a difference in your home. Your presence makes a difference in your workplace. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Your presence makes a difference in church. i got to tell you, you look way better than the seat you're sitting on. You change the atmosphere way more than the seat that you're sitting on. I've been in this building when no one's here. It's not the same. God's attracted to where hearts are open. God's attracted to where there's faith. God's attracted to where people are inviting Him to come. And so this year, as we think of that word presence, that's the focus let everything that we do flow out of that attitude of Moses. Lord, I'm not going anywhere without your presence. My foot's not touching the floor in the morning without your presence. I'm not going out the door of my house without your presence. I'm not going to put my hand to anything without your presence because I need your presence more than anything else. And I know that there's a big difference between your omnipresence and your manifest presence. I know the difference between a flow of power and a surge of power. I know the difference between when I sense you and when I don't sense you. I know you're there, but I want to know your manifest presence in everything I do in everything I put my hand to, in everything we do as a church. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I want to take a moment to pray. Of course, there's so much more that I want to share. And I want to share a few of the stories next week of some people who 
we've been able to have been impacted by your presence and by our presence as a church. And our team are going to come, our worship team are going to come, but I want to ask everyone this question. And it would be helpful, I guess, for you if you were to close your eyes for a moment and if you're watching online, wherever you are, maybe close your eyes as we pray. But I want to talk to people today about your, your heart, about your relationship with God. Maybe there's people here today you've never, ever been able to say, I, 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 I have a relationship with God. I know Him. I know His presence. I know God personally. Of course, the way that we do that is by accepting Christ as our Savior. By accepting that He died on the cross in our place so we could be forgiven. That we could be restored to relationship with God because of He paid the penalty for our sins. He was the bridge between us and God of which sin created a chasm, self created a chasm that He bridged through His death sacrifice and resurrection but for every one of us in this moment which I'm going to invite people to pray a prayer of accepting Christ as their Savior but for every one of us in this moment can we open our hearts and can we open our spirits and can we can we invite the Holy Spirit to come afresh you say well I've, I, I'm experiencing all of that well an even greater surge of God's power an even greater surge of God's presence in whatever it may be, an even greater sense of His anointing. And just invite the Holy Spirit in these moments as we, as we pray this prayer, joining those who are accepting Christ for the first time, make this prayer, in a sense, a, a prayer of invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in fresh, new ways into your own heart and life. Come on, let's pray together. If you've never prayed this prayer before, pray it with all of your heart. If you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ, pray this again. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. Just repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. And I open up my heart and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit. May I know your presence and may I know your power every day. I will not move forward without your presence because I value it above all else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God for His grace and His goodness. If you're here, we have some material or literature that we'd like to give to you. Or if you're watching online, we'd love to connect with you. There'll be a link there that you can connect with us and we can help you take the next steps. We have a booklet called Following Jesus, which will help you to take the next steps in your walk with God. And we'd love you to take a moment to connect with us so we can help you in your journey. Amen. Amen. Excuse me. All right. So we want to do a couple of other things. Of course, we're going to pray for you. 
you're going to anoint yourself with oil. And uh, before we do that, we want to take a, I want to take a moment to focus on some of the things that we're able to do in our community. We have a short video um, that our team uh, have put together. And we have a video from Bijou Thampi also, who sent me a video last night thanking you for the work that we're doing in India and for the fact that we are present in India. If you've been giving to our Vision 2020, whether you knew it or not, you went to India this year through your giving and helping kids off the streets of Mumbai. And uh, he has a video. I'm going to show that next week. But we have a short video that we want to show uh, right now and as we prepare for our giving. Every vision needs provision. If you have a vision for your life, you know you need provision. If you're starting a business, you know you need provision for the vision. And every church that has a mission and a vision needs provision. Jesus talked about provision for the kingdom and for the privilege of us sharing with him and participating with him in giving and sowing into the vision. And we want to encourage you this year as we invite God's presence, one of the ways that God wants to partner with us is in the area of our finances. I think God gives all of us a choice. He says, you can do your finances on your own or you can invite me to help you and be a part of your financial life and world. And there's a huge difference. When we do it by ourselves, we live by the sweat of our brow. When we do it in partnership with God, we do, do it knowing the dew of heaven on our brow rather than the sweat of our brow. And Jesus, God talks in His Word about donations, about gifts, about tithes, the first tenth of everything that comes into our life, and our offerings. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about our vision initiatives and how we can be contributing towards those initiatives, like the work that we're doing in India, like Food with Love. But right now, we want to encourage you to, to partner with God by, through your donations, through your tithes, and through your offerings. And as you do that, let's invite God. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Let's invite the favor and blessing of God. God says, if you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out my provision and my blessing, and you won't be able to contain it. So right now, as we prepare online, there's a link there that, or some information there. If you're giving today, we're not passing any containers out there's an offering container as you leave the uh the the building or the the auditorium on your left there are some envelopes on the table outside you can take one of those you can put your offering in there if you would like to do that or you can do it online on push bay you can find that on our website but let's pray whatever we're doing let's pray and believe god let's check this video out then i want to pray for you as we give our offerings. Here we go. ...is closing the door to slow the spread of novel coronavirus. Dozens of American cities up in flames after some protests... 
awesome. How awesome is that? Father, I thank you. Thank you for your love and thank you for your presence. We invite you, Lord, to fill our lives and to fill our world with your presence. Help us to be present in our world, in our homes, in every area of our lives, in our church, in our community. And Lord, as we give and as we sow these offerings, we thank you for your promises that you will open the windows of heaven, that you will multiply the seed that we sow, that you will give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over whatever we give and whatever we sow. May that promise come to pass in each one of our lives as we partner with you in the greatest cause of all to see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Well, we're going to conclude our service with a moment where we're going to take a moment to pray for you as you anoint yourself with oil. And our team are coming around. They have these trays. You can just pick out, take one of these cups and hold it in your hand. And uh, our team are going to lead us in a or, or take a moment to, uh, with, with, a, with, a, with a worship song. Hold on to those, and I, and I want to share a few thoughts. They're going to sing this song, and then I'm gonna, we're going to have a moment where you anoint yourself with oil. And before that, I want to pray for you. So the anointing, what is it? What are we doing right now? Is this some kind of weird ritual? No. The word anointing or the anointing or, uh, is something that has happened from the very beginning of the Bible. The first mention of anointing is when Jacob awoke in the middle of the night having, after he awoke in the morning, after having had a dream in the night of angels ascending and descending on a ladder to heaven. And he woke up and he said, how awesome in this, is this place? God is in this place, and I didn't even realize it. This is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. He had an awakening, a spiritual awakening. And because of that, he took some oil and he poured it on the rock that was at his head as he slept. And he anointed that place, and that place became Bethel, which later became Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was born. And so the anointing, the pouring out of oil, upon an individual or upon an object was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing when we anoint ourselves with oil, when you take that little drop of oil and you put it on your forehead, whether you make the sign of a cross or just a dot, it doesn't matter. But you're anointing, that's, that's, a, that's a way of us saying, we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to be on our lives this year. And there's three things I want to highlight about the anointing. Number one, the anointing was, first of all, a, a, a uh, separating, a symbol of separation of what was holy. People or things that were holy were anointed with oil. The word holy doesn't do, have to do with our character. It does, but it has more to do with our position separated. You're holy. I know you may not have been this morning, but you're holy, whether you like it or not, because of your position. 
You've been set apart to God. When you anoint yourself with oil today, make this your prayer. Lord, I'm setting myself apart to you. I'm different. And I want to live my life for you. And I want to live my life with you. And the second thing is that the anointing is there for uh, empowering. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. We, we need His power. We need His, His presence in our lives to empower us so that we can live beyond our natural ability. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. We saw that on that awesome video. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to pray, proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed go free, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Is that our prayer this year? The Spirit of the Lord would be upon us so we can proclaim the good news. We can set the captives free. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can make a difference in our world because our presence makes a difference, which is why we're being anointed. So I want to pray for you. And our team are going to sing a song. And I want to encourage you to really pray about that. I invite you, Holy Spirit, because I need you in my life. I invite you, Holy Spirit, because I'm set apart. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, because I want you to empower me this year. And once they, they have sung this, we're going to stand and I'm going to pray for you. In Jesus' name.